Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Believe is brought to you by Cryptid Coffee Co. Use promo code BELIEVE on checkout for 10% off their angry Yowie coffee blend. Head over to cryptid.com.au to check them out. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Tyson, and Tyson is a returning guest to the podcast. Uh, For those who have listened to his episode, which was season 13, uh, episode 7, it landed on the hill. Tyson dropped a bit of a bombshell at the end of that episode, saying he has had some really unique Yowie encounters, and I can tell you one is definitely going to be a first for the show. might be a first of all time for Yowie encounters that I've ever heard of. So, Tyson, welcome back, mate. G'day. It's good to be back. It's great to have you here, mate. You're Everyone knows, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a sucker for a good Yowie story. Uh, and the one that you just kind of dropped on me before is one of the most incredible Yowie <laughs> encounters I've heard of. So, mate, <laughs> would you be able to walk us through what happened and go back to that day? Absolutely. I, I'll um, I'll walk you through the first, my first um, encounter where I visually seen a Yowie uh, crossing the road in front of me. You, I um, spent five years of my life working for the state government of West Australia, managing the bushfire management program, which is prescribed burning and during the summer fighting wildfires, <clears throat> and finally got some time off work and we just we'd actually just been to this fire um in an area of the bush called Porgina and um that's probably about an hour's drive north of Warpole um near Lake Muir and um the fire had been extinguished and had been out for a couple of weeks now and I'd take I was headquartered well I was based at the headquarters in Manjimup 
and I'd, on my weekends off, I'd drive up the Muir Highway east to Mount Barker, then south into Albany to visit my family on my weekends off. And I was cruising along the highway, and I come over this crest, and I, and I would have been probably about 700 metres out, maybe 500 metres out, and I seen a bloke uh, standing on in on the gravel on my side of the road, sort of just wandering onto the um, bitumen. He was probably about a metre or so out into the bitumen now. And he was looking down at his feet. Um, mind you, I'm doing 100 k's an hour and I'm approaching him quite fast. He's looking down at his feet and um, looking for something. And I thought, oh, working in emergency services, I just clicked and I went, oh, there's this a car accident. This bloke's looking for his cell phone or his keys or something. So I started gearing my cruiser down, slowing down, started winding my window down. Then I looked back up at the dude and I noticed, you know, I'm pretty, I'm probably about 400 metres away now and I noticed that he's not wearing any clothes and I could just, like, at a couple hundred metres, you can tell if someone's wearing a pair of jeans and a coloured top and he hadn't any of that on and sort of thought this was a little bit suspicious, so... I actually leant over and locked me doors and just just left me window ajar enough to speak through because it was quite remote out there and I thought maybe I might be in for a little bit of trouble. Someone might be, you know, up to no good trying to weigh me down and jack me from a wallet or something. And then I um, got a bit closer and a bit closer and I went, no, nah, this dude's completely naked. And then I realised that he was, was covered in head to toe in hair and I sort of... Wasn't quite sure. My brain sort of went um, all the possibilities other than what it was. And I um, I got even closer and I'm, he's sort of walking out towards the middle of the, the dotted line on the bitumen now. And um, I, I've got close enough to see that his arms are a little bit longer than ours and his hands are probably dangling about knee height. And his hands were so large that he could have, I, I say he because he didn't have any breasts, he could have um, wrapped one hand around its own skull. It was only, I'm 175 tall and he was shorter than me. And I'm, I'm probably about 100 metres, not even 100 metres away from him now. And it's, it's looked up at the windscreen of my car and we made eye contact and did all the hands on my neck stand up and I just, my stomach turned and my heart just dropped and I, my t- eyes teared up and I just went, what the fuck is that thing? It's t- taken three big bounds in to the, across the highway south towards Lake Newark. Um and I've slowed down, geared my car down. I've come to a stop, so I square to where it ran into the bush. And it's probably a young Jarrah forest, and all the trees weren't any rounder than a dinner plate. And I could see about 70 metres deep into the bush. And I knew that that animal, or whatever it was, could not have ran 70 metres deep in the bush. And I couldn't see it. So I knew that it was hiding in the undergrowth, only 30 or 50 metres into the bush. And I sort of puckered and, and just took off in my car. I got to the um, Rocky Gully pub and bought myself a six-pack of beer and um, I just, I, I had to had to share it and I shared exactly what I did with you then to the, this bloke at the bar and 
he um turned the music off and asked the other people in the pub to come around and the uh, publican and stuff. And there's probably about six of us in total. I told the story again, and one of this old bloke he said, "Oh, was it about 10, 20 k's back west um, of town?" And I said, "Yeah." And this old fella said, "I heard the exact same story about ten years ago." And um, yeah, I, it um, the when when it when it looked at me through the windscreen of my Ute, I I had never felt so um, uh, churned up inside. So um, uh, it was yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty um full on feeling, and I made it down south, visited my family. And on the weekend, on the I thought about it all weekend, and I told a few folk. And on on my way home, I was like, I got to go back, and I've got to pull my ute over, and I got to check check the drain for footprints or anything. I pulled over nothing. I couldn't find anything, um, so I left it at that, and that that played on my head for a, for a few months. And uh, we ended up at the Yarloop bushfires um, a couple of months later, and. Uh, we're fighting the fires there, and we we kind of got stuck in the bush for quite a while. Um, oh, we're there for about two weeks, I think, and we um, we were coming up this tiny little track. Me and my mate in the fire truck, and it was late at night, and lights were sort of flashing, and we come sort of honking up this track, and um, we've seen this 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 quite large built lady. Um, hairy lady holding a baby in her arms on the side of the road and we same exact thing we both our stomachs turn and churn and we sort of like fuck and we looked at each other and my mate said did you just see that and I went yeah I seen that we stopped the truck and we reversed back but there was nothing there except for um, a yokan which is um, a, a bunch of um, grass trees or uh, I think they call them belga trees um and we we swear that one of the Belgas trees was a woman holding a, a, an infant, and um, we didn't really speak much of it to each other, not even the next day, not even an hour later. We both sort of just like, oh, we're a bit sleep-deprived. We've been here for many hours. We're working hard. Um, we might have just spun out, but you don't... People don't hallucinate the exact same thing at the same time, I don't think, and... Um, it was about four, four, four nights later, we'd um, finally got on top of all the fires and stuff and we were there and we are doing a bit of mop up and cleaning up and it must have been about two o'clock in the morning and we pulled the ute over and we are having, having a feed, meals come around and he pulled down this little track and we had the heavy and the crew truck parked bull bar to bull bar and a couple of blokes jumped in the crew truck and they were all watching something on the portable DVD while they ate their dinner and I was walking around with my torch, just looking at possums and whatever numbats, if I could find any, and kicking a few rocks. And I'd actually walked probably about 100 metres from the trucks and went to take a piss in the bush. And, well, before I took a piss in the bush, as I was walking along, I could hear something about 10 metres deep following me, following me through the bush for about 30 metres. And I thought, I could hear, I could hear that it was bipedal, and I thought it's, it must be a um, emu. The kangaroo sounds different when it moves through the bush, and um, 
I I immediately thought that I was like, it can't be, it can't be uh, emu because we're in quite thick carry country and emus don't really like to hang out there. And I didn't really think much of it afterwards and started took a piss in the bush and and um, this thing was directly square with me straight in front of me and it started walking straight towards me and I reckon it got tuned to about five meters of me. I don't know why I didn't turn the torch on. I just packed it and I went back to the ute, back to the trucks. And I was so frightened, I, I, I didn't tell anybody. And I really regret that. I really wish that I'd um, said, fuck, let's get out of the truck. Let's go down there and shine all our spotties around in the bush and find out whatever this was working. Uh, and I still regret not doing that. The one female that we had in our crew, it was her first year, pretty full-on year to be a part of the Yarloop bushfires for her, and she was a bit shaken up. And she um, hopped out the truck about 15 minutes after that just happened to me, and she walked straight down there, and I, I wanted to tell her, and I just, I, just could, I just couldn't tell her. I was too spun out. My brain was still trying to process what um, had just happened. And she'd, she'd walked down the track, and she's gone to take a piss herself and she's come back and she goes, you, I'm going to swear here. She goes, you fucking sick. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, you just snuck up behind me while I was taking a piss. And I said, no, no, I didn't. And I, and as soon as she said that to me, my whole stomach just dropped and spun and my head, I, I just, I was like, nah, I was dead set. Uh, it was a yowie because I'd seen that bizarre thing on the highway, the lady holding the baby a couple of days prior, and then this has happened, this bipedal thing's come sneaking up on the pair of us, and um, she she even punched me in the chest, and, and, and she was she was really, really upset, as any woman would be, and um, she actually did not speak to me for the rest of the year. We actually lived together in the... Um, headquarters of the fire station and she didn't speak to me for the whole time and she quit her job um the following off season and i think deep down inside she knew that it wasn't me because there was no way that she could run back to the ute back to the trucks 100 meters and for me to be to beat her um doing so and she Probably, yeah, she was trying to process the whole thing herself and I I I reckon that it was it was a Yowie that we both encountered that night and um and the other three other two encounters, sorry, were definitely Yowies. Um yeah, it was it was pretty pretty crazy stuff and the the most powerful thing about these encounters is the the um the feeling of just uh, horror that that comes with it. It's it's quite um it's quite intense for your mind to realise that you have something that could potentially be a predator or or cause harm to you in a way that you know you probably your mind has probably never imagined of being threatened with. Those encounters they are they are so intense and. I can hear the the fear that you lived in those moments just while you're you're retelling those encounters. That that first encounter that you had on the on the road where it was 
just kind of standing there on the road, minding its own business, and and you just kind of come into view. I could only imagine the the I guess the world shattering moment of you looking in the eyes of this creature. Yeah, and that's probably a pretty pretty just uh, spot on description of um, the feeling there. Just yes, yeah, shattering. Um, take your breath away, kind of stuff. It, yeah. The way that you were just describing that, you know, you are completely powerless in this moment, you know, really does go to show that the the intimidation that these creatures have over over us would be unfathomable. It would be something that is just completely out of our realm of normality. And it, it honestly, it sounds like your whole body just went into a, a state of shock. It just couldn't comprehend what it was seeing. Yeah, definitely the old uh, fight or flight, and and I I did did process this for a little bit. Um, when your body does go into that fight or flight mode, sometimes when your body chooses to to um, uh, do the flight option, it can exaggerate and exacerbate um, things that are potentially a threat. So. Maybe when I seen this thing on the highway, maybe its hands weren't actually as large and the, you know, they were quite long, pointy fingers. I wouldn't say it may have had claws because I couldn't actually tell, but maybe my mind just said, oh, that's a threat. Let's just make some of its teeth look scarier and its, and its hands look bigger. So it's, you, there's a more chance that you'll protect yourself by running away. And I did, did think about that quite heavily, but it's, its its hands were dangling down at knee height. Um, it was definitely not human, that's for sure. Being a firefighter, you would be also quite seasoned when it comes to, I imagine, um, high stress situations. You would see things that not the the everyday person would see. You would deal with situations that the normal person would not deal with. And for for this to to throw you off that that much, you know, it really speaks volume of the of that moment. And now a quick word from our sponsor. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Yes, definitely. um, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I spend a lot of my time in the bush when I was, well, in my free time, still present, do a lot of bow hunting and, and fishing, trout fishing and stuff like that. So I'm in the bush stomping around into spots that people don't normally go into. And whilst I was doing the bushfire stuff, all every day at work we are in the bush and um, I'd, I'd never come across or seen anything like that in my life. That first encounter, was was the Yowie evading the, the back burning that you were doing? The, the fire had all been fully extinguished out. Um, 
there was no more active fire or anything like that. Um, he, I'm, we're, it was probably about 30-odd kilometres away from the fire that was initially there um, prior early on in the year. Um, when we when we went out to that fire, we had a, um, an Indigenous man um, in one of our crews and we, we went out to the area where that, the fire was being was um, taking place and before we even got there, he said in the truck, he said, I, I don't want to come out here. I do not like this area of land. There's something about it that is not, is not right. Um, I can feel it in my bones. And um, that's always stuck to me, that comment that he made in the truck, because it was only a little while after that I had that encounter and it just, all these pieces of the puzzle just fell into place. It's it's funny how the the universe works like that, and it tries to give you these these warnings. And I guess if if you're not paying attention to them, you know this is these are those potential outcomes. It's kind of that sixth sense that you know he was able to pick up on around about that area. Absolutely. So this this second encounter, this is something that I've never heard of here in Australia, and I it it blows my mind that these types of encounters aren't more common where we see uh, a parent and a juvenile together. It's something that I find so fascinating. And the fact that you got to share this with someone else in that moment really does give you the, the credence of, yeah, we saw what we saw because like you said, you know, shared hallucinations. I don't really think that's, that's what's going on here. Yeah, no, I, um, it was, it was very brief. We, we were, we were, I'd admit we were probably going a little bit quicker in the fire truck than we probably should have been. We were, um, excited to, um, be knocking off for the night. We've been there for a few days and, and we, um, yeah, passed, passed this thing and, and we both just immediately just looked straight at each other before to, to see each other's response. And, um, the, the look we both gave each other were, was, you just seen what I just seen, didn't you? And we stopped the truck, backed up, and like I said, there was uh, just a couple of um, grass trees or belga trees in standing around. And I shared I shared that story with um, some of my indigenous friends, and they explained to me that particular. Um, they believe uh, that particular yowies or. Uh, spiritual creatures um, mask themselves as grass trees or belga trees and um, what spun me out was when I told the story and I said I'd ba- I was backing the ute up and before I'd finished my story my friend said and there was nothing but uh, uh, belga trees standing there was there and I went whoa yeah there was nothing but grass trees and he went yep and then explained to me how they believe that that's what they mask themselves as. Yeah, it's it's such a an interesting thing because I, I believe the you know the camouflage tendencies of these creatures are of a level that we just cannot understand. I believe that they are the genuine masters of their domain and you know we, we can't even comprehend the way that they would blend into the, the surroundings. Definitely they've probably got um, obviously, because we haven't conducted any kind of science on them, on them, we don't we don't know very well. And 
they've, they've probably got the ability um, from, you know, hundreds of generations of living in, in the forest and in, in nature, the ability to be able to do things that we can't fathom and, and we can't do as humans um, as we're, we're programmed our minds to live in a social society of skyscrapers and, and motor vehicles and things like that where they, they've adapted to not need any of that kind of stuff and they've, their minds expanded into other aspects to give them strength in camouflage or whatever it be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the that's the downfall of the human race is that we're so dependent on technology to advance ourselves now, whereas these creatures, they don't have that. Nor need it. Exactly, exactly. So did you ever talk to your friend about the, the sighting after this or was it just like this, this unspoken agreement of... Definitely unspoken. We, we never, we sort of were just like, oh... I swear I saw I swear I saw a, a, a woman holding a baby, and we we're both like, "Nah, we we agreed that we were quite sleep deprived, and um, we just never it just never got spoken spoken of again." But because I'd had um, these other two encounters only weeks apart from that event, I I just I knew exactly what I'd seen, and um, it's the, it's the feeling the feeling that comes with it that lets you know that you're experiencing um, an encounter with Gowie. It's, yeah, it's pretty heavy stuff. Did you have that same feeling as you did with the first one? Yes. The, the first one, the, the first one was, was in, um, probably more intense and it was, yeah, a bit more scary feeling. Um, the second one, not so much because we sort of just palmed it off as, you know, maybe a bit of a hallucination. The third encounter definitely had me pretty scared. I stayed pretty close to the fire truck for the next couple of nights, um, fight, fighting um, the rest of the fire. And I, um, yeah, definitely, definitely gives you gives you the goosebumps. Did the appearance of the the female that you saw, did it appear to be? similar to that first one it had a um so sorry these these last two encounters were uh, sort of around um if anyone knows where yarloop is got dwelling up not too far away it was sort of all through the national park through there which was about uh, a few hours it's probably about two hours travel north west from my first encounter and the female one that I'd seen actually had quite broader shoulders and quite a larger head, um, and she'd all, it almost looked like she had had locks, like hair, on her head. Um, um, big, large breasts and holding holding a, a baby. That, and the baby probably would have been five hundred long, maybe six hundred long. Did it take any evasive action when you saw it, apart from when you went back to, to see that it was gone? But do you think it was aware that you saw it? Um, yeah, it definitely would have. It definitely would have seen our fire truck come honking past, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I, I felt like it just stood still 
and that was that was its tactic to blend in, and it just stood still. Um, I didn't see it turn its head as we passed or anything like that. It just stood still, looking forwards, and um, yeah, that yeah that was that was it. It's something that I do hear quite often when it comes to to Yowie encounters. A mate of mine, Dean Harrison, he he has this really interesting theory that they pretend to to be trees or or branches. So what you've described is almost down down to the T of that type of theory that this thing is just trying to blend in and be be part of the scenery. Absolutely, and I almost feel like. Um these encounters are. I've always I've always thought about this, right? When people go out looking for Bigfoots and whatever, and they find it, they find a big old footprint in the sand in the bush, and they get a plaster mold of it. And because I'm riding them, my hunting, I'm thinking, why don't you just follow the second footprint and then the third one? Why don't you just follow all these footprints into the forest like you would tracking any other animal and back to their where they're bedding up? You only ever see a handful of footprints, and I feel like that they've um, somehow slipped into our realm or dimension. And and I feel the same when it comes to ghosts and even UFOs and all these all these other crypto, cryptic animals and all this stuff. I feel like that there must be some kind of little ripple that's gone on and, and somehow um, the energies within that individual creature or being um, have let it vibrate into the next dimension or realm, parallel universe. I'm, I haven't figured all that part out yet, but there's something there that lets them step into our world lets them become interact with us and vice versa. I even feel some people have the, have, have this uncontrolled ability um, with themselves when things are vibrating in a certain way in their body and mind, they, they slip into this realm or world where, where you both can bump into each other. And I feel like that's what had been happening with me over those past few months is I was, just sort of on a different timeline or a different little path. And I, for whatever reasons why, but I was meant to experience them things and see them things um, for re- reasons I don't know, but um, they, they were, they, those cards were dealt for me those days for a reason, I feel. Yeah, and I think I think what you're saying there is it's a fantastic theory. Um, a, a gentleman I've had on the podcast before, Ron Moorhead, is the the grandfather of of Bigfoot evidence. You know, there's the the Paddy footage, which is kind of like the Holy Grail, and the the next one after that is the Sierra sounds, which he was the gentleman that captured that. And he he's pretty much along the the same lines as as you that he kind of believes that you know these these creatures have a almost like a, a dimension hopping I wouldn't say feature but like a, a d- dimension hopping uh, aspect to them where they can kind of just slip in between different realms 
he he's actually got a book out, uh, the Quantum Bigfoot Theory, and uh, that there essentially kind of covers a, a lot of what you're you're saying there because it's really not uncommon to hear of a lot of high strangeness when it comes to a Bigfoot or Yowie encounter. One one thing that I, I hear all the time, and and a lot of people who come on the show who to to talk to me about their Yowie encounters, also say that they see orbs of light. True. Soon after they've they've encountered a a Yowie, and you know, could this be leftover energy, or could that be the Yowie? Who who knows? But you know, this high strangeness is is definitely connected to it, and. You know, you hear these things where these creatures are moving around, but no one can see them. Much like your third encounter where this thing was potentially just meters in front of you, but you couldn't see it. You couldn't, there was nothing there to tell you that something was there other than the the audible sound. And who's to know if you actually got everyone out there with their, their spotlights, what you would have seen. You may have seen nothing. You may have just had the, that experience of a, of an audible only experience of this thing charging around you. I, 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 that's, I never thought of it like that. And that is, um, that could have very well been exactly what had happened. And I'll have to look up the, um, that bloke's book and have a little read. Cause I, I definitely do strongly feel, um, it's definitely these creatures have that ability to do that. Uh, bring us back to what I mentioned before about, living in the forest for so long, they obtain things maybe that we don't have and maybe they do it un- unwillingly um, slipping into these realms or dimensions. Um, I I agree with the orbs as well. Um, I actually, it wasn't long after, it's probably about six months after I drove past the same spot, uh, probably about, 50k south on a gravel road and I actually seen these three orbs of light just mm, sort of hanging around on the bush and I thought it was just a reflection of my um, uh, uh, stereo on my windscreen because it was night time and I wound my window down so there was no um, reflection anymore and I could still see these three things moving around and I told me mates when I rocked up my mate's face and they're like yeah whatever buddy you saw a yowie a week ago <laughs> and just yeah, but um, I, I agree. And, and I another thing too is if you notice a lot of, uh, I've noticed quite a few encounters or sightings happen when there's something with with high intense energy, like a bushfire or a war zone or things like that where, you know, the Foo Fighter incident, you know, the, and things like that. There's there's a lot of high energy and things going on that could create imbalance in uh, frequencies of some kind that allow these things to happen. Um, you know, it's all just a theory, but I I've, I definitely definitely feel strongly about that connection with the Yowie. I, I agree with you. I think the the Australian bush is alive. I think there's so much about it that we just completely do not understand because, you know, Yowies aren't the only bipedal creature out there. I've heard so many encounters of 
other things out there. I've seen pictures of other things out there. These are things that aren't supposed to exist. You know, let alone a Yowie is not supposed to be real. You know, this is supposed to be something that, you know, this is a boogeyman. This is not something that is supposed to live in the bush just outside of where you live. Let alone there be these other creatures that we don't even have names for yet. Absolutely. And there's probably there's probably multiple uh, species, like uh, subspecies of the one, if you know what I mean. Um, I definitely agree. The Australian bush is a pretty um, large bit of land and there's so much of Australia that is uninhabitable. I I don't see why there's things out there that are still lurking. I've, I, I still think the thylacines out there in the bush, um, and that thing's only been extinct for, I don't know, 60 years or something. Surely there's still a few kicking about. Oh, mate, I'd bet my house on it that that thing is still kicking around somewhere. Absolutely. But Tyson, mate, your yowie encounters are terrific. You know, as, as terrifying as they were for you, the way you shared your stories were, were so fantastic. And, you know, it's it's a really good insight into the reaction from someone who's a trained professional to to deal with these kind of high-stress situations that, you know, no one's no one's ready to see a yowie. And nah. you're, you're the perfect example of that. Yeah. I um, I definitely didn't think about that. I still think about that. Um, my, my first reaction was I'm about to deal with a car accident. So I put my emergency service pants on, I guess, and, um, and my brain went into operation mode, steps that procedures that need to be taken. And, and then my brain went, hang on a second. And it kind of backwards loop and thought this, let's get the hell out of here. This ain't, ain't pleasant. Yeah. And, and you know, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Like your mind was already in in the game you know you were you were ready for that high stress situation and yeah it, it just yep. goes to show when the when the paradigm breaks it it really does break absolutely definitely thank you for listening to this episode of the believe paranormal and ufo podcast if you have had an encounter and you would like to share it please get in touch with me my email address is believepod at gmail.com finally Don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.